This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of All Things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids. The podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Ganya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Today we are diving into Jennifer's favorite zone. That's right. We have an absolutely awesome guest to do it with. We totally do. This is going to be so much fun. What problem are we solving today? How long can humans live underwater? Ooh, how long can humans live underwater? You know this is going to be so much fun. Who is our guest today, Jeff? Our guest today is the person that has the answer to this. Yes. Dr. Deep Sea himself, Dr. Joe Deturi. He is a career Navy diver turned aquanaut. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> All right. This, this is going to be, be fun. so fun. Now, we get to talk about one of my favorite things and places, the ocean. So I like to start with, for our young listeners, did you always love the ocean? Yeah. <laughs> so what happened was, I was a 10-year-old kid living on Long Island, New York, and okay. I could always tell my time in life by the size boat that my dad had. He had boats. Like, he had a 13-foot Cape Dory that we would just tow out, wow. put in the water. And then, you know, he got a 21-foot, and then he got the 22-foot Aquasport, and then he got a 28-foot, you know. So the boat was growing in size. Oh, as my he gosh. Aboard. But at some point, my dad got a boat that was too big to basically pull out of the water, 28 feet. And he had a little zinc tab underneath on the shaft itself. So okay. he said, hey, Joe. There's a little wobble in the zinc shaft. Would you go underwater, hold your breath, and take the zinc tab off and then bring it back to the surface for me? I want to wow. look at it. And I'm like, okay. So put the mask <laughs> on to go underwater. I'm like, ah, 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 I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I go back again. I'm like, I can't, Dad, I can't hold my breath. He's like, wait a minute. Don't move. He takes my Uncle John's scuba setup, double oh. hose regulator. We are talking 70s, the late 70s. <laughs> he puts this on my back, puts the double hose in my mouth, and I'm like, ooh, I can breathe. I'm standing in the mud in a canal in New York. By the oh, way. wow. Then he goes, I go to go underwater, and he goes, wait, 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 wait. Don't hold your breath. That was the entirety of my scuba diving lesson. <laughs> oh, I went gosh. underwater in a canal in New York, and I'm taking this zinc tab off, and I pull the thing off, and I'm like, there's fish down here. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the whole story. So I love the water. I love the ocean. I joined the Navy. The rest is it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you were 10 when this happened. 10. Yeah. I was oh, 10. my gosh. So you basically grew up as a child in the water then. Well, first of all, we would go surfing at the beach, right? We have a ah, break that, was about, that yeah. was about 15 feet of surfing, right? And yep. that was it. Because yeah. the break in New York is just short. 
And uh, so I'd surf. I'd be at the beach every weekend. We were at the beach. Because that's what my mother and father did. They dug the ocean. And so you love what your parents generally love. And then from that point, you know, don't tell anybody, but I used to cut school to go diving. (laughs) Tell my mom. Okay, we promise. Yes. Zip your lips. Okay, so that really kind of ruins my, do you have one memory that stands out? You already had one. My hunch is you have a whole bunch more. But I do want to ask about that schooling thing. Because you basically grew up with flippers on your feet, half in the water and half on land, did you have to put in extra effort to sort of guide your schooling towards the Navy and doing underwater work? Or did it just kind of happen for you? So truth be told, I went into the Navy, not necessarily because it was my first choice. My first choice was the Marines. Ah. And my mom said, my mom said, nice try. Try again. Yeah. <laughs> said, yeah. But, but, and she said, I said, try again. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but mom, you don't understand. Marines are cool. Navy's like wimpy. And then it was like, no, no, no. They wanted to make me a Navy nuke. And I was like, oh, okay. I had a good enough grade yes. on the ASVAB. So, you know, but I did not do well in high school. And unfortunately, I didn't pay very much attention. It just wasn't my jam. Right. I didn't have a lot of college options, if you will, or- like for an RTC scholarship. And they were like, <laughs> no, yeah, you're not that guy. And my best choice at that time was to join the Navy. And so I, I gave that the option. I went to nuke school and then, you know, life is history from there. But yeah, as, as the aquatic life developed, I, I kind of sort of fell into the Navy because it made sense, right? Wow. You're in the Navy, right. Yeah. Water things. It's all good, right? And then, you know, being smart enough to get there. And then what happened? I wrecked a motorcycle on the East-West Expressway on I-4, coming off of I-4. Oh, wow. I was a nuke and I had this eczema on my hands. So what failed, basically make me become a nuke, was the fact that I wasn't medically qualified, but Ah. they gave my choice of any school in the Navy. So I went a whole different routes and a whole bunch of enlisted things that I just, it's crazy. And then I finally became a diver at a dive place. And, you know, the rest is history from there. That's fantastic. So tell us about your life as a diver. Like, how did that start? And, you know, kind of like, how deep do you go? What do you find when you dive? Right. So I did a whole bunch of things. So while I was in the Navy, I became a Navy diver. I worked at a saturation diving facility and then I got commissioned and I became a special operations officer and I did all kinds of diving on that. Well, I continued my civilian side of the house for diving Ah. as well. And it was just a zest for life. Right. I just wanted to do this deep exploration type diving. The deeper I went, the better it was. You know, I like to live a little bit on the edge, the adrenaline (laughs) drug. Yes. Right. So then I started becoming smarter and smarter and smarter. And then I'm using these recirculating devices. And then before I know it, I'm at the working divers conferences, the crowd of master divers around me going, wait a minute, tell me how that works again. And I'm like, okay, physiology. Wow. They're like, no way. Really? And I'm like, yeah, that's (laughs) that's way physiology works. And they're like, well, how do you know? And I'm like, well, because last weekend I did a 300 foot dive off. They're like, you did not all the time. They're like, hold on, how do you get there? And before you know it, I brought the civilian stuff to the Navy, but my Navy also compounded me being a saturation diver. So as a Navy diver, 
Was it salvage operations? What were you doing as a Navy diver? Sure. I did a whole bunch of salvage operations. I was the salvage officer and operations officer on a salvage ship. I ah, worked in diving okay. salvage unit one. I did a lot of like towing, beach, legs of beach gear, pulling ships off the beach, that kind of thing. Wow. Uh, wow. Water recovery. Good stuff. Good, good yeah. solid baby diving. We are, right? And yeah. then one of my stuff was the boring ship's husbandry. You know, but it keeps our fleet and forces running, right? It's the yes. underwater work that prevents you from having to put the ship in a dry dock. So you can just work it underwater and it makes it cheaper. Exactly, exactly. So we want to get to our question too, which is how long can humans live underwater? So tell us about your amazing 100 days underwater. So human tolerance right now has been extended from 73 days to 100 days. Um, yes. Did that. And it's because we wow. had a purpose in mind. And everybody says, why did you do it for 100 days? And I said, because I can't afford 200 days. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So why 200 days, guys? Yeah. 200 days I is the know. length of time that it's going to take us to get to Mars. And Elon keeps I saying, Mars. and I'm like, Elon, I have a question. Um, what are we going to eat? Yes. Uh, we'll work that out. What, Elon, I have a, what are we going to drink? Yes. <laughs> Who's going to carry us off? Because every single astronaut that comes off the International Space Station needs to be carried off. Yes. After 200 days, what yes. are we going to do to stop muscle loss, stop bone degradation? You know, we need to build osteoblasts to build bone. These are real science problems that yes. this generation, yeah. that this group of kids has to start looking at. Because if we're going to Mars, boy, we need to solve some problems and somebody better get working on it. And I have my things I'm working on, but there's other things that need to be worked on. <laughs> yes, this is fantastic. Dr. Joe can't work on all the problems. Yeah. So I loved your answer. I can't afford 200 days yet. So 100 days underwater. Before we get down there, I want to ask, before you left, how do you pack for that? <laughs> <laughs> so what you do is you have a great crew to start with, right? Yes. You, you work with yes. that crew. And I had a great mission director in Thane. He was a terrific mission director. I had a terrific mentor in Jan Koblik. And I mean, these guys all like we walked through stuff. We started planning this years and years and years. In 2019, we wow. started workup dives for this and started doing the science portion. And how do we draw blood underwater? And how do we do the electrocardiograms, electroencephalograms? All that stuff had to be worked out because right. new stuff, yes. right? So basically, you packed as much as humanly possible. And then thankfully your surface crew does your laundry because yes. I, I have another question, Elon, who's going to do our laundry? Yeah, you know, exactly. Like we have real problems that need to be solved. Right. So, yeah. Wow. So, okay. So tell our listeners what it was like, like how big was the room and kind of yeah. what did you do when you're down there? And I guess you were kind of like a human experiment, right? I the was. Whole time? <laughs> the whole mission had three parts to it. I'm a biomedical engineer, right? I have a PhD right. in biomedical engineering. Right. So we did blood, urine, saliva testing, electrocardiogram, electroencephalogram, pulmonary function tests, all those tests that you get when you go to the doctor. Okay. Right, right. And all those tests I did just to see what happened. And we did them several times throughout. Okay. Then we wanted to do outreach to 
science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. We were excited about it. Wow. I wanted to show kids that, listen, to be a scientist, you don't have to be in a white lab coat with yes. beakers and microscopes and boring, right? You can be <laughs> fun. It can be fun. And yes. Things, right? So once we showed them that, great, good on you. And then what I did is I brought down a whole bunch of my PhD and MD friends and we talked about real problems and what the solutions could possibly be. Oh, wow. We talked about preserving, protecting, and now rejuvenating the marine environment. Because guess what? 70% of the world's oxygen comes from the ocean. Yes, it and does. we keep dumping stuff in the ocean, the yep. ocean's not going to like that, right? No, so, exactly, exactly. And we kind of like oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of like oxygen. That's exactly <laughs> right. No, it's exactly right. You know, okay. How do we preserve and protect that? And we learned about that from the experts. And then we funneled that back into the kids. We talked to 5,500 kids over wow. 5, kids wow. in 100 days. So that's the, amazing. That's actually that's, a big reach fantastic. for 100 days. Yeah. So people said, what did you do? I woke up every day. I did about eight to 10 hours of science, eh, seven to 10 hours of science. Okay. I did three hours of outreach. I taught classes. Wow. I did two hours of interviews. Uh, oh, yeah. I was a one-armed paper. When did you Everybody's sleep? Like, when did you sleep? <laughs> oh, God, who sleeps, right? So <laughs> I said, oh, you know, I'm going to sleep. I'm down there. It'll be great. I'll be a relaxing thing. So when my sleep time wow. came up, I found that I slept deeper in deep and REM sleep. Wow. Twice as long while I was underwater. Twice as long. Wow. 50 to 70 millions Americans alone suffer from sleep problems. And we found a no kidding. It's across the board. Everybody that came down, you spent one night or you spent, you know, eight nights yeah. max or a hundred days. You slept better and you slept in deep and REM for twice as long. That's Everybody. incredible. Wow. It's incredible. It, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so you have officially now earned your nickname, Dr. Deep Sea. Yes. So we need to start calling you that. Dr. Deep Sea, just because we haven't mentioned it to our listeners, can you tell them where you spent this 100 days underwater? So it's at a place called Marine Lab, which was started by Jan Koblick and company. And it was in the La Chalupa habitat originally. Okay. Now they've parked it. And they've named it something different. It's called Jules Verne Undersea Habitat. And you, too, can rent a room at Jules Undersea Habitat. Ah, wow, I didn't know that. It's a, it's a water B&B because we can't call it an Airbnb, right? But I'm <laughs> got, very good. Very good. So it's a bed and breakfast sort of a thing. And they do that. But you, too, can experience where I live for 100 days. Get down there. Go see some of the cool things. Sleep underwater in a pressurized environment. Wow. Okay. Very so how? Cool. So how deep were you and how did you get down there? Like, do you have to be a scuba diver to get down there? Yeah, I was at the banana crushing depth of 22 feet of seawater. Why ah. do I call it the banana crushing yes, depth? Yes, that's a good because one. Bananas are hard shelled, right? So they yes. have that hard shell. So the pressure was almost twice what we're at right now. Okay. So it's almost, it's 1.7 times the atmosphere. And it's enough pressure to squeeze the bottom of a banana and crush it. When we were bringing down fresh fruits oh, and vegetables, wow. we crushed bananas. So, yes, I was oh. at the banana crushing depth. Of okay. 
for 23 huh. feet of seawater. And like I said, you do have to be a scuba diver. Okay. And anybody can become a scuba diver. You can take a course up on the surface, which is what my mom did to come see me. Oh, right? She cool. was like, Joseph, are you okay? Joseph, are you okay? Joseph, are you okay? Every week. And finally, I was like, well, you can come down and see me. And she's like, can I? Okay. <laughs> So then she took scuba diving lessons, swam down underneath there. You come up through the moon pool and then you get invited into my habitat. Oh, wow. Now, now, how big was this again? So it's about two meters wide, give or take. And it's about maybe four meters long, five meters long. Each tube was that. And then in the middle was a wet pot, which was open to the water. It basically... Right. Uh, Right. Two with a hole in the bottom of it, and you could come in and out through that. The whole habitat was pressurized to that level, so it kept the uh, water out. Okay, it, got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you spent a hundred days down there. If you do, if you were to do two hundred days, would there be anything different in the types of experiments and things you were doing, or would it just be pushing that length? to see if humans can do it for twice as long. Yeah, I don't know if there are any other experiments to be done at this point in yeah. the water because yeah. we did a ton of them, right? We did everything <laughs> known to man that wow. we could re respectively do for cost being an independent variable, right? Yes. But sure. the one thing that I would have done on day 12, I cracked my second molar eating a bag of popcorn. No. What? I would never allow popcorn on a mission. Elon, <laughs> if you're listening, no popcorn no on a mission. Popcorn. And I uh. did, I broke the tooth, I cracked it, and there was nothing we could do for the next 86 days. Oh my gosh. Oh, hey, that, Elon, who's yeah. going to fix our teeth? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that's a question. Who's going to go on this trip, right? Well, we yeah. need a dentist. Okay. And we need a doctor. What kind of a doctor? There are choices that we got to get, you know? Yeah, exactly. So tell us what it was like. What did you eat when you were down there? Because you were saying that's one of the things Same you thing to I eat about. up here. Same did, thing I eat up here. Did you, did you lose any like sense of taste? Was it affected or sense of smell? Any of your senses? Sure. Most of the taste that we have in food is because mm -hmm. of the air pockets in the food. And ah. that stainless is in there. So yeah, it was really hard to get a good flavor. But, you know, because I was a Navy saturation diver, when you're yep. very deep, you cannot taste food. It doesn't matter what you're eating. All you feel oh, is wow. the right? So you really okay. can't taste food. But that's okay, right? It is what it is. So I was able to salt it enough. But basically, I ate three or four eggs covered with cheese every morning, just like I do right now. Right. Just like I do right now. For lunch, I have a salad with a bunch of protein on it, just like I do right now. <laughs> Nuts, you know. And then for dinner, I'd have some sort of protein and something green. This ah, is okay. I am a creature of habit, man. I perfected <laughs> making poached salmon in the microwave. So I can wow. now make salmon in the microwave. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dr. D chef. Yeah. So we'll be waiting for your cookbook to come out as well. Yeah. The undersea cookbook. Woohoo. <laughs> okay. I have a question. I was just thinking about, I feel like I should know the answer to this already, but I don't. Did you have internet down there? <laughs> so on basically the first days of the mission, we mm -hmm. swam down a Cat 5 cable, unshielded, just a regular okay. cable, plugged it into a router. 
Right. And basically we had the best internet on campus. Now, is that still existing? Probably not. I was happy it lasted a hundred days, but I'm surprised yeah. it's still working. So yeah. it's one of these unshielded pair things in salt water and there was you a little literally bit of- swam a wire down and basically yeah. interneted yourself in. We did. We did. We wanted to have <laughs> good- we wanted to do all this outreach. And I was teaching college classes. I was teaching biomedical engineering classes while I was underwater. Oh wow. my gosh. That's awesome. This is good. Fabulous. Cool for your students too. I mean, I think for them to, you know, experience their teacher doing all this stuff. So tell us about some of the, because you had visitors, tell us about some of the kids that came down and visited you. So first of all, I went through 55 zero hours of Boy Scout training to have the Boy Scouts come in and to have them get wow. to, be able to spend the night and get to be able wow. to hang out. These kids, guys and girls, they cleaned, they were workers like you wouldn't believe. Like, Oh my gosh. Workers. It was I so love it. Some of the science kids that came in were like, hey, uh, I have a question. Can we test the water that you're drinking? And I'm like, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, we should do <laughs> Yes, exactly. Please do. <laughs> Want to know the answer? There's no water in there, but that's okay. I wasn't crazy. No, I'm not. Yes, I am, but it's okay. No, so yeah, we tested. Well, like just a whole bunch of people that came in that's there. Fun. And we did that. Marine Lab sponsored a whole bunch of kids to come down there wow. on a regular, and we'd fill the visiting scientist cabin pretty regularly. I think I had nine uh, or ten groups of overnight people that wow. stayed. Wow. That's fantastic. I love that you're spreading science like that too. Yes. Maybe you like kind of inspired an aquanaut someday or something like that. So not only did we do that, right? So so hopefully, and this was my job, I took my job seriously. Every kid that swam by that window, whether they were coming in or not, every person <laughs> got a high five in the window. Aww. Every single one of them, right? That's nice. If they were snorkeling down just to say hello, my job was to high five people, right? So if we're doing that for the kids, then what happened? My mother got scuba certified. A group of uh, age generation sort of people that have disposable yeah. time and disposable income are now going, hey, I can get in the water and do stuff. I That's can talk serving and protecting and rejuvenating the marine environment. Wait, I can learn new stuff as I'm old or young. So we just incentivize the whole world, I hope, to get excited about discoveries in the water and things. We found what we believe to be two new species while we were underwater. Wow. Two. Two. I had a microbiologist come in and he took a dirt sample off the water underneath the habitat. And he found what he believes to be a new single cell psyllid, which is a new creature that has cilia on the side of it. And then the sponge expert that I had came and found what she believes to be a new species of sponge. New to science. Whoa. And we stayed and we watched and we yes. did nobody ever did before. So you don't have to be crazy special. You don't have to go like there are 10,000 people that go and dive that thing a year. So wow. 10,000 people awesome. are in that fun. over the course of a year. But we found stuff because why kids? We looked in the place that nobody looked before. So just exactly. Look. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Dr. Deep Sea, you are absolutely, I can't stop calling you that now. You are an inspiration. Where did your personality turn into this guy? 
This is what I tell these kids. I lecture every day at the university. I say, how do you remain so motivated? I said, pick a job that you love. Yes. And you won't work. I don't work. This is what I do. I don't yeah. work. It's this is amazing. I do is this. It's fun, right? So I get a good time and I get to have a good story and, you know, I get to keep doing what floats my boat. So figure <laughs> out what floats your boat. I love that. Right? I love that. Oh. I love that. All right. So we could talk to you forever. Yes. Dr. Dr. Deep Sea. But we are at that time in the show where we ask our guests to give our listeners a challenge. I'm very curious to hear this what your challenge gonna is going to be. All right. So here's my thought for the day. I want to challenge all of you to sit still for moments of time and figure out what that one thing is that floats your boat. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I ask myself this all the time. I still ask myself. Remember, I did 28 years as a Navy officer. Then I sat still in silence and figured out what I wanted. And then, you know, we're humans, right? We start with the end in mind. And for humans, the end is the tombstone. So what do you want it to say? (laughs) Right? My tombstone, I want it to say that I help aquanauts and astronauts become safer. Right? That's what I want to do. I said, huh, let me write down 100 things that I could do to make that happen. Boom. I write all that stuff down. All all of a sudden, I have a PhD in biomedical engineering, and I'm making things safer. My U.S. patent just got approved on October 31st. Congratulations. For spacesuit design to make underwater and astronauts much safer. Wow. them for any of their hypercapnia, hyperoxia, or uh, decompression sickness, which astronauts get decompression sickness. Yes, they do. Story, but it's totally cool, right? Wow. So here we are. Sit down. Be okay with being still, yes. and the answers will come to you. All of a sudden, just sit and think. Relax. Yes. Breathe and think. That's what you guys need to do. That's what I challenge you to do. So if you can do that, maybe you can find some guidance in your life, and then, like I said. Your life's not work, man. It's really easy because you're on your path. That's right. Oh my gosh, that's great. And, and this is good for adults too, right? <laughs> not just kids. Yeah. <laughs> Those of us are still trying to figure totally. out what we are. Oh my gosh, this has been such an exciting and an amazing episode. Thank you so much for being our show, Dr. Joe. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Be good. What a truly fun conversation and episode. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And if you're going to send a human underwater for 100 days, I hope every single one of them has a personality like Dr. Deep Sea does because he can absolutely share the experience of what it's like being down there with the rest of us who may not get the chance to do that. Right. And I mean, what an experience too. And to be down there by yourself for the most part, but he did have people visit, which I think is so cool. Very cool. You know, that you can go down there and visit. That's amazing. And I love his challenge about, you know, sitting still and figuring out that one thing. I mean, I think we should all do that in life. I know I probably should take time to do that. What about you, Jeff? (laughs) I completely agree. That is a great note. And I love that he starts with sit still. Yeah. And actually think about what you want. Because as a career Navy diver turned aquanaut, and now he's doing this research 
for humanity, for marine science, as well as for space science. Uh, Dr. Joe, Dr. Deep Sea, he knows that one thing for him. So it's time for the rest of us to really think deep about that, what that one thing for us is. Yeah, exactly. So if you figure that out, (laughs) or you just want to let us know what you think your one thing might be, make sure to connect with us on our social media. We are at KidSolve at Facebook, X, and Instagram. And also, be sure to check out our website, SolveForKids.com, where we'll have pictures and video of Dr. Deep Sea on our page, and also some books to learn more about the ocean and maybe living underneath the ocean. What an amazing episode. It is time for me and maybe all of us to go reread Jennifer's amazing book, Astronaut Aquanaut. And until next time, you'll hear Jen and Jeff on Solve Solve It It for Kids. Kids.